Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melissa C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 16th. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 78, third paragraph, Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense, and we'll be reading one paragraph only. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Sam S., 12 Traditions, Esther F., readers of the text, Marge O., Rick J., and Elena C. Okay, the reference numbers for Sunday, August 15th, was 17562. That's 17562. Okay, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Sam S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks for leading the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sam S. Okay, I will now ask Esther S. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Esther. Good morning. Hi, this is Esther F., a a Recover Compulsive Overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know hang pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book and we're on page seventy eight, the third paragraph. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense. We'll be reading one paragraph only. And I will now ask Arch O to begin reading for us. Good morning, March. March, press star one to unmute. We're not able to hear you. May I be heard? 
Yep, now we're oh, there we go. Thank you. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if we're known, if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have remarried, but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. Good morning, all. This is Marjo from Massachusetts, recovered and eternally grateful for this program, especially the Visions program. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense. I felt like a criminal for many, many years. I was one of those people that pilfered things. I pilfered food. I pilfered a nickel here, a quarter there. A quarter was like a million bucks to me when I was a kid. That would be five whole candy bars. Um, and I also took time away from others all through my young life, but especially my adult life, with my concentration on how am I going to have enough money to buy this food I want or using uh, the electric bill money to buy food, but especially got into the habit of I knew there was money in a safety deposit box, and my money, my name was on that box, and it was my great aunt's money, and it was fives and twos and ones, and and literally two many two dollar bills, and I'd use a little bit of it with the intention of paying it right back, but again, I couldn't pay it back. That's why I took it in the first place, because I didn't have enough of what I perceived to be enough. And it wasn't enough, because I was overspending. And the majority of it was on food. And that led me to another program eventually, too. But to make, you know, to admit that to another person, I carried that for so long. And when I finally made good on that, it cost me more than more than 50% above what I actually had taken and used. But it's the, the the hardest part for me was seeing exactly facing where this disease would take me. And it did take me there. And it left me feeling like a phony for a long time when I was first in program because I thought, surely, I can't tell people. I couldn't admit this to someone in my family. And I wanted to in one way to come clean, but in the other, I did not want to. And it took a long time for me to be able to put that out there and just say, yep, I am a thief. There's no two ways about it. And I had to make good on it. I had to admit it. I had to talk to people about it. And I did that with the help of someone in this program. Things like this, I do believe firmly, we just can't do the step work without help from the program. And more than one person some days I would feel so terrible about myself, even after I had made my amend, and it took a while. And then I heard on this phone one day, you know, when we hang on to those things, once we've done our amend and we've made restitution, that that's the disease wanting us to still feel terrible about ourselves, wanting to lead us back to the food, wanting us to think we're not good enough, we're never going to be forgiven, all the negative that that's the disease 
And so I decided that I had to have a little help, but I would get over that too, that I would let it go, pray to my higher power that, for me it's God, would help me get through that and let go of that. And it worked. It worked. So again, HP makes such a difference in my life, but so do all of you and also people that I talk to about this. So I thank you for this opportunity. And I pass. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for getting us started, Marge. Okay, so um, before I open up the lines for sharing, I want to remind everybody that although we do value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. So today is Monday, so if you've shared on Thursday or Friday of last week, we ask that you, you know, refrain in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share? Dara L. Dara. I got I got you, Teresa P. Uh, Dara L. Yep. Who else? Lou B. Lou. Yes. B. Okay. Tell you I have so far. I have Linda D. Teresa P. Dara L. Lou B. Did I miss somebody? You might just be the person with great experience that could help another. So if you're nervous, it's a great time to do service. Nice and quiet this morning. Okay. I guess maybe I'll decide to afterwards. All right, so we're going to start with Linda D., and then Teresa P. will be next. Good morning, Linda. Linda Star 1 to unmute. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I'm going to share something that's very painful for me and in the hopes that it will help someone else as well as me. I did commit something that was, at the time, a criminal offense. I had abortions, and I was very young. And uh, if you've heard my parts of my story, you've heard me say I was shattered very young, and that's why. Um, it ripped my life in half. I was the, what would you call, the classic good girl that was a, a dumb bunny and walked into stuff. and. Being illegal, it was ugly and dangerous. And um, I thought I would never share that with anybody. And I went to an OA meeting. Eventually, God brought me to an OA meeting. And it was a mixed meeting, too. It was a big one. This is years ago. And uh, men and women. And um, for some reason, I was uh, asked to speak, and I did. And for some reason... I, I let that all out, and I thought, oh, my God, what have I said to all these people? They're going to think I'm a whore. This was, a, you know, the temperament of the time. Do you know six people, six women came up to me after the meeting and said, thank God you said that. It helped them. It helped me. And 
because I was given uh, through these steps, through these meetings, through all of you, people like you for, I've been in the program a really long time. Um, I got to the point where I had enough of a relationship with God that I could forgive myself. It was, it was a, an ethical thing that it just tore me to shreds and I'm whole now. And that's only the grace of a higher power. And I don't have to eat over it. I don't have to destroy myself over it. I hope that helps somebody because it's damn, I don't know, it's damn difficult to talk about it. But I'm only talking to 400 of my closest friends. So don't blab anything, okay? Bye. Thanks. Thank you, Linda. Okay. Um, next up is Teresa P. And Teresa will be followed by Dara L. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. I'm Teresa P. Grateful, uh, grateful, and a recovered member of Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, glad to glad to be on a meeting. And it's just like, wow. You know, it's, it's hard to believe. I always wanted to grow up all my life trying to be really, really good. And uh, not not making it. There's a lot of things I did, and and one of the one of the big ones was uh, child abuse. And uh, one of uh, and it's you know it's a, it's a deeply painful thing with me. Um, it started out with basically leaving the kids in their beds. I'm talking about babies. I had four kids in like four years, and. Uh, and just that I'd be reading and eating, and you know they would, you know, being there in their little bed. And I remember my little, you know, my, uh, third child. She actually got the, a flat on the back of her head because I left her laying there too long when she was uh, just a baby in her little bassinet. And uh, you know, and it's just like it's hard to look at. That I, that I could do that, but there it is. I did it, and you know it got worse than that too, because I went to going to raging, and I remember shaking my one son. I, I thought they were. It, it just felt like they were all in diapers at one time too. Let me tell you, and uh, and I was actually shaking him. I was just totally overwhelmed, and I, and I was doing this outside. A lady actually stopped and said, "I see what you're doing. You know that's terrible." Whatever she said, and I was. And I was angry and so ashamed. I just, you know, grabbed up my son's I just cried and cried and cried. But I knew I was wrong. But I didn't know what to do about it. Did I get help? No. Well, actually, I did get help. Um, I did actually get the book showed up in my life for a particular author that helped me learn learn that uh, how to uh, do child discipline without abuse. And uh, so, you know, I did. I did practice that. I'm very grateful for that. It, you know, I still did do child abuse because, you know, it's just like, you know, when you're crazy, you just do crazy stuff. And and I wasn't the only crazy one in the house. It was both. Hey, uh, Teresa P. You got muted. We lost you, Teresa. Teresa Can you hear me now? Yep. Now I got you. Okay. Got it. Okay. So the the blessing in all this is that you know I did get to program and I learned you know steps and 
you know, did go through the steps and learned how to make amends. And, you know, one of the most uh, wonderful things in my life is making those amends. And I did ask that. The one daughter was so, uh, that's one of the things I've done for the last, uh, you know, for years now is played with her kid. Well, we're 25, 25 years, actually, played with her kid. It's been a, a wonderful blessing in my life and my other uh, grandkids also. And to make those amends, to make living amends to my husband also. And, uh, you know, we've been married 50 years, and I have not always given him, you know, loving support and respect and kindness. And so I get to do that now. And, you know, and, and respect for myself. And thank you, I heard that. So it's just, it's, the program is great. I get to admit my fault, and then I get to make amends. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, nice. Teresa. Thanks so much for sharing. Sorry for that. Uh, interruption in the middle. Not sure what happened, but we think we've resolved it. Um, okay, next up is Dara L, and Dara will be followed by Lou B. Good morning, Dara. Great. Good morning. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Philadelphia, and um, one of the reasons I know that I'm recovered is because I don't commit crimes anymore, <laughs> which is a miracle um, for someone like me. And you know, in my disease um, and in abstinence, untreated abstinence, I'm a lunatic. And so I just want to share, you know, I've been arrested uh, as a result of, of this disease. I, you know, I shoplifted um, stuff because I wanted money to buy food. And I, you know, I didn't want to not have everything. You know, I've embezzled tens of thousands of dollars from various companies that I worked with. And Thankfully, you know, I've paid that back, but, you know, truancy, trespassing, stealing from family members, stalking, you know, um, domestic violence, speeding, like all these things, you know, I've done so many things. And of course I did. I had a $300 a day food habit, you know, how was I going to support that? Because that was the thing that drove me, you know, I didn't care. I didn't care about people. I didn't care about um you know, organizations. I just needed my fix and I was willing to do anything to get it, no matter who I hurt, no matter, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, jails, institutions, and death. That's where, that's where this disease leads. And I have been in jail, I have been in institutions, and I've almost died. Um, and so, you know, but I'm not unique and, and that's so cool. You know, like I am not anything that I've done, someone else has done something, you know, equal, if not worse, right? And so for me, the miracle is that today I don't live that way anymore, you know, and that all of that stuff or most of it anyway, I still have, you know, some amends that I'm, that I'm working on, but none of a criminal nature, all of that stuff has been lifted and I can look myself in my own eyes and feel love and freedom and compassion and there's no more shame you know for all of the shit that I was that I did and I used to walk around feeling like if people really knew me and knew what I did then they wouldn't love me and the thing is today people know me and they know what I've done and they love me you know and more important than that I love myself and God loves me and so just you know for anyone who's squeamish about making amends um 
I do it today because there's freedom attached for me, you know, like, and, and I had a criminal history um, and still have those tendencies, you know, but I don't have to live that way anymore today as a recovered person. Um, and I'll pass. And thanks so much uh, for your service. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Dara L. Okay, next up is Lou B. And after Lou B, we'll open up the lines again for sharing. Good morning, Lou. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for hearing me. I'm grateful to be here in the meeting and grateful to be able to share. Thank you for your service. So the sentence that sticks out to me is, or the phrase is, common form of trouble. Um, You know, when I got to the rooms, I just thought I was the only person on the planet (laughs) who had done some of the horrible things that I had done. Um, Some illegal and some immoral and some just mean and... (laughs) Um, selfish and hurtful, you know, to to my uh, children, to my husband, to my friends, to my parents, to my siblings. I mean, as other people have shared, I was just a wrecking ball. You know, I was just running on self, ugh, self, 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 and did so many things that I was ashamed of, so much shame. And um, one of the very first gifts that the program gave me was the opportunity to do what I call like a confessional fifth step, you know, like there was nobody on the planet that knew all the crap I had done. And, um, and that was such a, oh, such a relief. And so anyway, and then of course going on through the steps and, you know, cleaning house and, and getting, getting right, um, with myself and with others. And, and as has been shared, you know, today I, I am, I can look at those things that I did um, with some compassion, you know, and say, I, I don't know, I did them. It's in the past, they're done. And, um, but, but they don't control me today. You know, they don't dominate my thoughts. Um, I, I can see that I'm a human being and, and, and be, be gentle with myself, hard on myself, but gentle with myself at the same time. So if you're a newcomer and you have any of this <laughs> any of this shame or, or anything that's building up in you, I just I just really encourage you to to just keep listening, keep coming back and, and consider consider, you know, consider engaging in the steps because uh there's a lot of freedom in there's a lot of freedom in it. And and I guess I'll just close by saying, you know, that's that's still today the greatest gift that the program gives me is it is it helps me join the human race, you know. It helps me see that I'm a human being, I'm one among many, um, I'm not unique, I I uh that I'm not alone, you know, because cause my disease I was so isolated when I got here, so isolated and um so alone and and had really nobody to talk to and nobody who I was talking to about what I was doing with food and and the steps really brought me out of that and brought me out into the sunlight of the spirit and I'm really grateful for it. So I have no idea where I am on time, but I'm gonna pass with that. Everybody have a great day. Thanks. Well thank you. Well I'm sorry. Thank you, Lupe. I hope I didn't step in on you. Um Okay, so to tell you where we're at, um, we're on page 78, the third paragraph. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense. And if you shared last week on Thursday or Friday, just hang back. And if you haven't, we'd welcome you um, sharing. So who would like to share? Charles A. Charles A. W. K. 
Katie. I'm not sure which Katie that was. Can you... T. Katie. T. Katie. Yep. Okay, so I've got, I know other people came in. I heard Charles H., Katie T. Who else? Debbie N. Ohio. Oh, my goodness. Someone from Ohio. Debbie N. Debbie, is it M? N like in Nancy. N, Debbie N. Okay. Joanne and there was somebody else. Sherry M, like Mary. Ginger C. M. Ginger. Michelle there was someone O. Else. Joanne W. So say that again. Celine W. Joanne J O A N. Joanne W. And there was another Nancy. person. Nancy L. Nancy L. That's it. <clears throat> so let me tell you. Michelle O. Oh, oh, that was it. Michelle O. Oh my goodness. Okay. Super. All right. Let's stop right there. That's a lot of us. Um. I've got Charles H, Katie T, Debbie N, Jerry M, Ginger C, Joanne W, Nancy L, Michelle O. Let's see if we can get to everybody. And um, go ahead, Charles. You can start. Thanks. Thank you very much um, for your service. So you know, um, the, you know, I I I commit criminal offenses every day. I character assassinate and kill people in my mind every single day. And that is, to me, that's a criminal offense. You know, yes, I, I robbed, I stole, I did bids, I cheated on my wife, all that, right? Because um, I'm not saying this to get a hit because probably I, I don't think I'll ever go back to another convention. It's just I, I just have a healthy fear of being around a lot of people. And I have a healthy fear of being around myself. That's why I share what's on my mind. Like, you know, and, and, and um, like I'm so grateful, like, to get this stuff off me. Like, Saturday night, like, we, you know, we have, right, like, we have traditions as long as we follow the steps and traditions. And some lady um, tried to come at me sideways um, in an open forum. And I was like, please, God, let me not. And she just kept poking the bear, and I blasted her. And I made a lot of people uncomfortable. And, you know, I made amends, but some people don't like it. And, you know, I don't like some, some of it. I don't like some people online, so that's why we don't bang. But I tell people about this meeting because guess what? It's the, the experience, strength, and hope on here is so powerful, right? Like, I don't judge the, the – the, uh, I, I judge some of the trees in the forest but not the whole forest. So I tell people about this meeting because it's life-saving. Now, we don't rock. A lot of us don't rock. That's why we don't call. I call some of y'all. Y'all, y'all ignore me like y'all too good for me. And I'm like, all right, man, I accept it. So – you know, I, I'm just saying that I commit criminal offenses every day. I'm not that good. You know, I heard from a book that uh, the book of James, which is what, what uh, sculptured this big book, tells me that I'm carnal. I'm double-minded. That's why I work these steps like my hair's on fire, not to, to get uh, uh, approval from people on a vision for you or any other meeting. It's because I'm not good. That's why I keep do, showing up every single day. So I hope that helps somebody, and I'm going to pass and leave some time on the clock for others. Thank you, Charles H. Okay, next up is Katie T., and Katie will be followed by Debbie N. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie T. in South Carolina. Um, This morning feels like the great confessional, (laughs) you know, and I know that's not really our intent here is to, but one part of me, 
you know, wants to have the biggest, baddest story. I mean, just want the attention, just want the admiration, all that shit. And uh, the truth is, I, I'm 76, and um, for many, many years, I've described myself as having a criminal mind. I'm looking to get something for nothing. I'm looking to um, make the world go my way, and, you know, that led me into some criminal shit. I mean, I did insurance fraud, and... Um, I hid in a, a business where I used to work uh, in a back room until everybody left, and then I went out and took the money out of the case drawer and got away with it, you know, but I didn't get away with it. See, that's the secret here. We don't get away with anything. It's all, it's all part of the disease. It's all part of just wanting everything. I want to eat whatever I want, whenever I want it, in exactly the way I want it, with no consequences. And that's what, uh, you know, my criminal history was. It's like I wanted something to get something with no repercussions. And um, this program has really quite saved me. I I even remember thinking, oh, crap, if I do that, I'll just have to make amends someday, (laughs) honestly. And um, today, I still have a criminal mind. Uh, I still have ideas of how I could get away with something or whatever. It's like a fantasies that spin in my mind. And so it's just like another person said, the crimes I now commit are often uh, in my mind. It's like I told somebody the other day, I walk by this tree every day on my on my walk that is covered with um, poison ivy and some of it kind of hangs over the sidewalk. And... Um, not enough that I'm going to go and take clippers to it, but I think I obsessed about it. The, the owner should, uh, should I tell the owner? Should I tell the city? Should I tell the police department? And, uh, you know, it's like, and then I have a thought, I'll just burn that tree down. Well, of course, I'm not going to burn the tree down, but the thought occurs to me. I've gone from this to a couple of days ago, I was in a store. I picked up this uh, thing that was kind of flat and small and carried it around the store with me while I was looking at clothes and stuff. And then I get to my car, and I toss my purse in, and I realize I've still got something in my hand. And it's that small flat thing. And it's, it was a $10 thing. It was like, you know, I have to walk back to the store. It was the inconvenience that bothered me, not that I could get away with a $10 item or not. And I walked back to the store, and I had to, here's, here's, here's again, I had to get credit for it, see? I, I said to the uh, cashier, I want my good girl badge today because I got all the way to my car with this and I came back to pay for it. See, I couldn't just do it. So I'm constantly screwing up, and that's okay with me. I'm smiling and laughing right now at um, the beautiful uh, change that's occurred in me in this program and admitting that, you know, I'm still who I am. This stuff still comes up in my brain. And so a lot of times I'm dealing with things uh, in my thought life more than in my real life. Okay. Thank you so much. Love you all. Thank you. Thanks, Katie T. Okay, next up is Debbie N. And Debbie will be followed by Jerry M. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. This is Debbie N. from Ohio. Grateful to be here. And thank you all for your service. Uh, When the paragraph was read and people were sharing, I thought, well, I've not ever done anything, literally, that would land me in jail or in front of the courts. And I thought, well, you know, that's because I've 
been a good girl all my life, uh, very compliant, followed the law. So I thought, oh, gosh, this may not apply to me in the way it's applying to other people in the way they're sharing. And then I had to catch myself and say, um, actually lying to my family, trying to hide food from my kids so that they don't have it when my kids were younger, uh, buying something and putting it away, that actually, it may not be something that would land me in jail, but it actually did land me in a jail of my own mind because of all of the things I had to maneuver and say so my kids wouldn't find these things or my husband wouldn't find those things or you know that I, you know, had written the check for $10 over so I could have that extra money. I really was in a prison emotionally for myself because I couldn't be that word that's part of this this OA program, which is honesty, uh, you know, the kind of honesty that is just, beyond uh, a normal understanding of honesty. And I could lull myself into thinking that because I haven't done anything that would land me in a physical jail or before a court, I cannot take an easier, softer way for myself because of this honesty that I have to have in order to maintain my mind with peace, with food, and be able to live with those around me. Uh, I can't take an easier, softer way, make myself exempt from when I hear other people sharing about uh, things that could land them in prison. Uh, I can't take an easier, softer way and think that I'm different. I, I'm not different. I'm only different in, a, in the sense of how I've done things differently. Uh, but I'm not exempt from having uh, lied and stolen from my own family members, the ones closest to me. And uh, so I just want to share that how that honesty and not taking it easier or softer way is, is at least important to me. And I hope it, um, in sharing it will be important to others. They will have gotten something from that. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Debbie Ann. Okay, next up is Jerry M. And Jerry will be followed by Ginger C. Good morning, Jerry. Hi, this is Sherry M. Um, I can totally relate to what everyone said. Um, perhaps we have committed a criminal offense, which might land us in jail if we were known to the authorities. Um, when my daughter was young, she's 26 now, um, I used to go through a store and she would pull things off the, um, you know, she was a toddler, she used to pull clothes off of the um, racks as we would go by and put them in her stroller and um, I would pretend that I didn't see it and you know I would put the things underneath the carriage and when we would get up to the uh, cashier I would try to distract the cashier so that she didn't see the items that were in the stroller um, and she wouldn't see all the things I had underneath the carriage um, so I was using my daughter as a, uh, as a weapon, if you will. I was using her as my, you know, oh, well, well, she, she stole the things I didn't steal them. You know, she pulled them down into her carriage. That's so sick. And then I also, um, did the same thing that somebody else said. I would take the food 
I would buy extra of it and hide it in all different places. Sometimes my son would, would say, we don't have any food. And I would tell him where the hiding spaces were. And he'd be like, why do you hide the food? And I was like, oh, because you eat it too fast. It was, that was a lie. That was dishonest. It was because I wanted to have it when I wanted to have my binge boxes of things, just boxes of it. Um, one time my husband said that we were going to, you know, have separate accounts um, and we were going to divide the money evenly. And it wasn't even because I would refuse to pay certain things, which would force him to, to pay them. Um, the things that I did when I was not working this program, I definitely should uh, be committed. Um, and, you know, it hurts to admit these things, but today I'm not that person. You know, today um, I do think about the other guy. I do think uh, out of self. And it's only through working these steps that I will hear somebody saying they don't have enough money and they have to put food back and I'll give them money when I'm in the grocery store. Um, or, you know, somebody drops something and they're not able to pick it up because they're elderly or they can't get something on the shelf. Like, I've, uh, it's not a 360, but it's definitely a 180. I've turned around and gotten out of self and it's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. Um, so it's only through this program um, that it's taught me uh, how to live like a human and not about getting ahead. I don't know why I thought I was getting ahead. Is really just putting me behind in my thoughts and actions. Um, so I'm so grateful to uh, walk this walk with everybody today. And thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. Um, okay, next up is Ginger C. And Ginger will be following Joanne W. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning, everyone, and Melissa, thank you so much for your service this morning. And I am Ginger C., a real compulsive overeater. And today is day one, and I am so grateful that this goes in order and that we follow it precisely exactly because I don't have to worry about step nine today. I'm barely beginning. But I know when that time comes, I'll be ready and willing to go to any length because that's the promise that I'm making by putting the food down and saying, yes, I'm done. I'm out of ideas. This relapse sucks. And I want to get back to what I used to know. And I just have to give a shout out to my brother, Charles, because during this relapse, I sent him recently a laundry list of the items that I thought I needed. And especially if you think you're going to try to put that fork down, I'm going to eat every bite that I know of from LAX to JFK. And he just responded in a text and said, throw it away. And I was like, are you crazy? I just bought it. And then he's like, those words and that text just sat with me. So thank God when people are in relapse, reach out to them. You have no idea how you're affecting them. 
And that affected me greatly because I thought, the second thought was, Ginger, if not now, when? When? And is it going to be painful? Yes. And is it going to be hard to say goodbye again in the way I need to? Really clean and clear. Really knocking this off. I have no control and no choice when it comes to food. But what choice do I have as a real compulsive overeater? So I'm just so grateful to have day one. I love you all, and I have missed you terribly. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Ginger, for sharing. Okay, next up is Joanne W., and Joanne will be followed by Nancy L. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. This is Joanne Wagner from Pennsylvania, a compulsive overeater and sugar addict. And there's so many things that I can relate to with all the shares about committing a criminal act. Never really thought about it as I was growing up. I didn't really have any morals or any that I was doing wrong. But when I was working at a deli, I would steal food. When I was slowly getting into my my food addiction and everybody else was doing it, and looking at all the people that saying thousands and thousands of dollars being stolen, just looking at the other people that were stealing off the shelf, not thinking that I was doing anything wrong because every, everybody else was doing it. But seeing myself when I was in the depth of hell of my disease and my compulsive eating and who I was, I really didn't care about anybody else. I just cared about me and how I could get my fix or and um, just how angry I was when becoming a parent, touching upon that, about people were, one lady was talking about abuse. And I always thought when I was, before I became a parent that I was going to be you know, looking at, no, I'd never yell at my kids or never spank them or never do this or never do that. But I turned into that, that mom, because I didn't have any other way, any other tools or any other. And I was so deep in my food addiction and got so angry if somebody wanted to eat something that I wanted to eat or I wanted to save it later, that I wanted to, part of me wanted to be that that good mom or good person or knew I was somewhat good, but it didn't have any way to anybody else to tell me or to help me and with these steps and of not being compulsive, like in that depth of hollow eating nonstop until I felt sick and had that food hang over the next day and be that horrible mom and that uncaring wife and and saying that I would never spank my kids. And one child I did, my youngest, and I hated myself the rest of my life. I mean, even to now, because I said I never would do that or would never be that yelling, out of control, raging mom. And I did turn out to be that. And looking back, 
making my amends with my kids and my husband and being a more honest person of admitting when I'm wrong and paying my bills on time and paying the people that do service for me. If I say I pay them, I will pay them. And not being that outreach, out-of-control mom and yelling at my kids. Being a mom that I can slowly be proud of. Sometimes I go backwards and I get lost. But but thank you for letting me share and take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much, Joanne W. Okay, next up we've got Nancy L. And Nancy will be followed by Michelle O. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. This is Nancy L. Recovered today from my food addiction. Um, when I first heard the reader read this paragraph, I thought, oh, I don't have a criminal defense, uh, offense. Um, I should have. But I don't have a record of it, but a record of it is in my mind. Um, I'm 79 years old, and when I was in my teens, probably 15, 16 years old, I had a job uh, in a retail store, and I went to the clothing department and I did multiple times of shoplifting. I often think today when I go and buy something and those little clips are on there, you know, they have to take it off so when you go out the door it won't ping at you. I often think to myself, I'm probably one of the people that caused retail stores to have to start putting those things on clothing because I would go in, get some clothes to try on, put on something I wanted to keep, put my own clothes over the top of it, and walk out the door. And I never, no one ever caught me. I was never held accountable for that, except to be accountable in my head to know that I was the, I was a thief. And as I've tried to make amends, the business that I was stealing from has gone out of business. And so I can't go back and pay for those clothes. But I do I do do some work at the clothing closet and, and give away clothes and that's my living amends. Um I just appreciate all the shares this morning. Uh it's like we are clearing our souls. Um and I have never said this, but at one point in my life I cheated on my husband and um, didn't get caught by him or anybody else, but it's caught in my mind, and I I forgive myself for these things, but I should have a criminal, I should have a criminal record uh, for for my thievery and my lies, Um, but you see, I had to save my money because there was a candy shop right around the corner and I went in there and I couldn't steal any candy so I saved my money for the candy and stole the clothes so yeah I'm I'm a guilty thief 
that's been forgiven by my my Lord and um, and thankful today that I have a program that calls for honesty, for honesty that clears my soul and my mind. So I thank you, each of you, for sharing today and for having this program. And I pass. Okay, thank you, Nancy L. And Michelle L., you'll be our last share today. Good morning, guys. This is Michelle O. I am a compulsive overeater in Detroit. And um, I did just want to share this morning because um, we're so fortunate to have so many recovered voices on the line and people who speak from the other side of their amends, um, from a recovered state, people who are freed from that um, obsession and the, the jail of the mind, as we've heard. And uh, I'm not the only one at this point who's, who's shared from, from this side of things, but I did just want to claim my seat um, because uh, the experience of hearing all your shares is really inspiring and beautiful. And I have a, a great sense of hope and anticipation, but also fear because, yeah, I keep that mental ledger and keeping score. I am aware of of the debt that I haven't paid and um there's one in particular I thought about for years. I lived in South Africa for a few years. I had money, and I was among many who did not, and yet I still stole I stole bread uh, often. And um, I just, I'm so terribly ashamed of that, and um, I've thought many times about making amends just to get that out of my mind, even though I wasn't at that part of the steps. But um, I just wanted to speak to my fellows who are seeking recovery but aren't there yet and um, let you know that we're on the line too and um, I believe that there's hope for myself and for us with that I pass well thank you so much Michelle I think we've got time for like a one minute share maybe a minute and a half if there's somebody who would like to hi this is Susan Go ahead, Susan. You got a minute. Go for it. Okay, thanks. Um, as I was reading and listening to this, um, what struck me was that there was so much fear involved in my life from an early age. And it had to do, first, it was about death. And then the second was about money. And then I started taking money you know, like quarters from my father's drawer, that kind of thing, or cigarettes from my mother's drawer. And it was like this fear of not having what I want, not having enough, not having, you know, or having too much. And um, for me, it translates now into the fear of sitting in the pot or taking action, you know, because there's a um, a reaction, you know, they're equal consequence either way, you know, if you stay in something or if you don't do something. So I've been trying to push myself out of um, staying, thank you, staying out of fear and trying to um, connect with the meetings and um, Build faith and take right action and get support. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing. Okay. Um, thank you for everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded 
hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, Monday, August 16th, 7 a.m. meeting, was 17565. That's 17565. Great. And um, sorry. we will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Rick J. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Rick. Hi, Melissa. Sorry, I was having trouble getting unmuted. This is Rick J. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what he can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.